0: Good morning everybody. It's not often I begin a sermon with tears in my eyes, but normally that happens at the end. (laughs) Well, if you've eaten any pancakes in the last week, and we certainly did in our house, it won't have escaped your attention that today is also the first Sunday in Lent. And as Chris explained earlier, we're beginning a new sermon series. And as we begin to think about that time leading up to Easter, we're going to take a journey with Christ Jesus and his disciples, the journey to Jerusalem. And I was thinking in the first service and just now whether it was incongruous that we could celebrate everything about Easter at the same time as our minds are taken to the horrible situation of the war in Ukraine. But actually, yes, we can, because the way to our freedom, the way that bought our salvation was a way marked with suffering. It was a way marked with conflict and opposition. And these are some of the subjects that we'll focus on this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd ask you to look up chapter 9, and our reading in a, a minute or two will begin at verse 51. Now, who here likes Marmite. It's an absolute, yes, yeah, it's an absolute favorite in our house. We love it on hot butter, toast, crumpets, not on the pancakes, I must admit. But maybe you can't stand it. And some of us here like that as well. You can't stand the smell of it. It's become one of those metaphors um, in, our, in our culture, hasn't it, of a binary reaction. You either love it or you hate it. And actually, in his ministry, Jesus, too, caused similar reactions for the first year or two of his ministry, he was accepted by people. He healed around the place and was popular. Yet also, he was no stranger to resurrection, uh, to rejection, I should say. And as Luke's account earlier described to us, the synagogue attenders in, um, in Nazareth, his hometown, rejected him. The Pharisees did pretty much everywhere he went. And so we're going to be looking over the next eight weeks at the events that scholars describe as the year of opposition in Jesus' life. They culminate, of course, in the Passion of Holy Week. For it seems the one thing you can't be is neutral towards Jesus. You will either love him or hate him, or else you haven't had an encounter with the real Christ So, with Chris's permission, I'm going to paraphrase some verses as I take us from Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead to a Samaritan village. But the people there didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. So they moved on to another village. And as they were walking on the road, there was a man who said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another one, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed 72 to go ahead two by two to every town. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, Your peace will rest on them. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal those who are ill. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near. But if you're not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, to Bethsaida. It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. And whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. So we see that Jesus was a man on a mission. He didn't drift through life like sometimes I wonder whether I might have. No, he knew what his father had to do, and he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. This wasn't a journey literally and directly to the capital. There would be four months of ministry ahead in Judea before he entered the city on Palm Sunday. But by now, he'd become very aware that his mission would call him to die, as he had predicted just earlier in this chapter. But he was determined to complete it, no matter how hard it would be. He had already begun in his mind the long journey to Calvary. To get to Jerusalem, he went through Samaria, even though he knew that would encounter more opposition. Why, I wonder, does Luke include this minor detail? It's a bit of a detour. Um, Perhaps it was to show the reader that Jesus doesn't always get a welcome on the doorstep. Maybe it was a prelude to chapter 10. Perhaps he just wanted to get there quicker, we're not told. But along the journey, he met three people who wanted to join him. But it turned out each one of them had a barrier, something that's more important than unconditionally following Jesus. The first was worried about where he would sleep each night. The second wanted to delay things. The third wanted to say goodbye to his family and friends first. Not an unreasonable request, you might think. But Jesus said he was looking back, and that was no good. Jesus' metaphors mean you must be 100% committed to the task. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus spelt out the cost of commitment to him. How are you doing in this? How am I? Are we 100% committed to following Jesus? That will look different in every situation, in in every country. In Ukraine, standing up for justice, standing up for righteousness, carries a commitment. In us, we may be persecuted. God might ask us to leave behind our creature comforts in order to serve him. It might involve rejection. The day I first became a Christian, some 30 years ago now, I was confident that although I didn't know what the future held, I would put my trust in the perfect God who knows the beginning from the end and has my best interests at heart. Yet I also expected to face immediate opposition because I didn't come from a Christian family, you see. Um, They were pretty much atheists. And when I got home, my parents didn't take this life-changing decision that I'd made very well. That evening, they argued with me and persuade, uh, tried to persuade me to change my mind. They thought I'd been brainwashed and joined a cult. But as the conversation went on, one fear they had for me came to the surface. They said, we just wish you would be normal. <laughs> I have been normal ever since, to be frank. <laughs> Because I realized you could never be normal as a Christian. You can never be cool. I knew that what I'd chosen was better than being normal. I'd chosen eternal life. And that had begun then and carries on through to this day and forever. The promise Jesus gave was that I would have life and have it to the full. And if that was going to involve rejection, God would see me through. And I know he will for you too if that's a fear for you. The fear of rejection is a cost that Jesus' disciples had to be prepared to make, both then as today. As he sends out the 72, he sends us. Like Jesus' followers, when we proclaim the message of Jesus, it generates one of either two responses. Either it's welcomed or it's rejected. Jesus reminds his disciples to pray. We are to pray for all aspects of evangelism. It's the Lord's work. He is the Lord of the harvest. And he instructed his followers to travel light, not to spend endless time greeting one another on the road. But the message is urgent. When they got to someone's house, they would find someone who promotes peace, a man of peace, earlier versions say. We might face different challenges other than where we might sleep as we go about spreading the Lord's word. But I wonder if there's something we can take from this notion of finding a person of peace. When we go about our lives, when we walk into new situations, I wonder what difference it would make if we took the Holy Spirit with us every time. Now, of course, we all know the Holy Spirit's with us the whole time. I'm not saying that. But I wonder what difference it would make if we consciously recognize the Spirit with us as we go onto what I call our spiritual front line. That's not being in church. That's being out there interfacing with the public each day. As we talk about our lives and theirs, we can have this two-way dialogue with God going on in our minds at the same time. We can ask him to speak to them, give us the words to say, to impact on their hearts, and make the subject of Jesus and the gospel naturally arise. When we're so full of God's spirit ourselves, our faith will just naturally bubble over like a fizzy drink that's been poured too quickly. When we speak words in the peace of the Spirit, as Jesus asks, it makes it more likely that our peace will rest on them. I love a a good debate. It was through that that I actually came to Christ myself. But I must remember that no one ever got argued, berated, or harangued into the kingdom of God. First and foremost, we're there to win the person, not the argument. And yet there will come times when that message of peace is not welcomed, when it's rejected. Jesus warned his followers, didn't he, to say to the unwelcoming town, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, I always thought this was a a strange and perhaps harsh thing for Jesus to say, as if he's somehow giving up on people yet we know from scripture that's not true. So it seems from the context that what Jesus is doing is emphasizing again his central message. The gospel is urgent. Time is of the essence. The kingdom of God is at hand. Judgment is around the corner. Do you believe or don't you? The time to make up your mind is now. The followers were to proclaim the message and if they rejected that they moved on. There were many more souls to be gathered before it's too late. I have a challenge for us this morning. How about you? None of us knows what's around the corner. None of us knows what may come. Maybe for a few weeks you might have been sitting on the fence about Jesus. You might be coming to church, but maybe you haven't totally committed your life to him. He invites you to take that step this morning. Make sure it's signed sealed and delivered and you know that you'll be going to heaven because Jesus' message carries a double-edged sword. There is good news. People can be forgiven. They can be saved. They can spend an eternity with God, but there's a flip side. If you do not accept this message, Jesus compares that, compares the people who reject him with Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon. These were Gentile cities that faced some very harsh judgments. Yet he was clear, whether that's for town or for individuals, that judgment is coming and people who choose to reject Jesus will face consequences. Jesus referred specifically to Hades, which is one of the terms used in the Bible for hell. We don't have time to go into all of that this morning. There are many theological positions on uh, the afterlife But two things are always consistent. Firstly, that hell is real, because Jesus spoke about that a lot. And secondly, once you find out, it's too late to change your mind. So the invitation is here and the invitation is real. The free offer to escape the consequences of our sin is to accept Jesus. So as I draw to a close, Jesus had this to say about those who rejected the disciples and him. Verse 16, he who listens to you, listens to me. He who rejects you, rejects me. But he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The disciples were to expect rejection. John 15 and verse 18 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Earlier in Luke, He said, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you, mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Forgive me if I say, actually, those sound like a blessing in disguise. I don't want the world hating me, but I know that I trust in the one who loves me to the core and loves the whole of mankind. What Jesus was doing, I think, was preparing his followers to stand up for him in a cruel and evil world. Sometimes the cost will involve rejection. But Jesus tells us it is worth it. Ours is the kingdom of God for everyone who puts their faith in Christ. He says there's a blessing in that because if we face op- opposition, it's because we're doing the right thing. The Holy Spirit is within us and the devil's kicking back at us. As we know, Jesus himself was rejected. Yet that was to have incredible consequences. The one who was despised and rejected by men became the sinless Saviour for us all. Indeed, it is by that very rejection that Christ was arrested, tried, and was crucified. Psalm 118, verse 22 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus took that verse. And applied it to himself. He is our cornerstone. The American pastor and author Timothy Keller writes, We needn't be afraid of rejection because our saviour saved us by rejection. Our salvation, our forgiveness, the crux of our entire faith was won, not despite of, but because and through that rejection. So what does that mean? That means I can take the hurt that I felt over rejection over the years to Jesus. And along with every other sin in the world, I can nail that to the cross. He knows what it's like. He's been there. He took upon all the hatred, revulsion, exclusion, and rejection you might have received at the hands of others. Maybe Maybe you remember back in your life that you, weren't the only one, you were the only one not invited to your friend's birthday party. Maybe you've been rejected by dozens of employers as you've gone for jobs. I've been there. It gets wearisome after a while. You might have felt the pain of being rejected by the only person you've ever fallen in love with. When I was younger, long before I met my lovely wife Hazel, I used to chase after girls and get rejected so many times. So many times, in fact, when I was uh, in my 20s, I actually began to believe I was ugly. And if if, if you're like that this morning, don't ever fall for that lie. Everyone is beautiful because everyone is made in the image of God. (laughs) Thank you. God doesn't make rubbish, and he certainly didn't when he made you. Some of us might have experienced great rejection. That might even have come from the very people God put on this earth to love, cherish, and protect you. There may be people here that know the trauma of having felt rejected even by their parents. By the one who walked out on their family all their years ago, perhaps. Or know this, God will not walk out on you. He never meant for any of that to happen. He didn't mean for a ruthless tyrant to terrorize his neighbor with missiles and bloodshed. In God's priorities, the strong are there to defend the weak, not take advantage of them. So his heart breaks over sin. He gathers up all of our tears this morning and yours. He says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never break a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering wick, Isaiah prophecy says. And if you're still feeling that kind of pain, can I invite you to turn to Jesus this morning? He is the one who is despised and rejected by men who cares for you. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He took our pain and bore our suffering. He gives grace to the humble and has compassion on those who fear him. He comforts us in all our troubles and gives us his peace. As the musicians come back uh, onto the stage now, let's come to him in faith, humbly trusting in his strength to find his healing and peace. We're going to focus on the cross in what will probably be our final song. Come to Jesus And know that he has taken up everything that this world will throw at you, including the rejection and hurt you may suffer. Andrew, thank you.